Hello, I'm Richard Herring. I'm Ogla Crowley. And this is Sight on Screen. The trilogy continues. Yeah. Uh, this should uh, round off our... Um, Are there any more? I don't know. I mean, this, this I'm trying to like, think. Well, this seems like the end of the of the era, really. It must be. Yeah. Yeah. It's This is going to round off our uh, Kurt Russell... <laughs> Kurt Russell, John Carpenter... Special? <laughs> triplicate joint? I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we watched uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. And then... Uh, Escape, Escape from, from New York. New York, not L.A. Oh, yeah. that would be the that would be the next one, I guess. But no, no. Don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. <laughs> Escape. Yeah, we did Escape from New York, and now we watched The Thing. Yeah, 1982. The 1982. Not 2011. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not ever. The one from 2011. Oof. Like uh, if you if you really want to go out there, you can watch The Thing from outer from. Outer space, the thing from outer space, which I believe yeah. is nineteen fifty four. Yeah, it was that's 50s. a Howard Hawks movie. Yeah, which they kind of reference in this one. Oh yeah, no, they, it's, they, pay, it, they pay an homage to it. They pay, it's also the uh, the title font is yeah. taken from yeah. that. True, and wow. I actually saw that one first. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Because I had heard of the thing, and uh-huh. I knew, I was much younger at the time. I've heard, mm-hmm. I'd heard of the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like I knew it was a big movie. And I didn't really know who was in it at the time. Didn't recognize Kurt Russell. No, I was no. like ten years old or eleven oh, years old. And one day at the library, I saw the thing. It was the same font. It looked like a space movie uh, or something from outer space. And I was like, "All right, this seems like oh, interesting." I put it in, watched it. It was boring. Yep, <laughs> because it's just a whole bunch of people <laughs> with you know. We're we're in the Antarctic. Why are we just wearing normal uniforms and there's no snow and nothing? Nobody nope. seems very cold. Very low budget. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it was great. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, remembering it, it's 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 fond memories. But it's entertaining, it's, uh, but it's entertaining in that way that older films are because yeah. they are silly. It's got, it's got a little bit of the Plan Nine thing going on. Not that bad. It's not that bad, but <laughs> it is a bit paper mache. It is. It is very much actually paper yeah, mache. I, I remember that movie, and I'm like thinking yeah. to myself, yeah, this set design was done by someone who had a kindergarten teacher education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's great. And I watched that first, and then much later, I was uh, well in my teens when I, really? uh, when I saw oh. the thing. Yeah. Okay, you were late to this party. I watched this when I was 14... Yeah, no, I was more like uh, 17, 18 when okay. I saw this movie for I mean, the first time. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of a weird kid where I watched... My, my first, like, oh my god moment for movies was being 12 years old and watching Apocalypse Now. That's a heck of a movie to do yeah, that. that real, that's <laughs> yeah. where it all started. So for me, it was kind of like... Yeah. The, I'd already kind of started there, so anything after that point was fine. Wow. Apocalypse Now. Wow, that's that's a movie. Oh, love that movie. That's that is uh, one that, of my favorite movies. But that is like a three or four hour epic, so that requires only, an investment. Only if you watch the Redux. The theatrical yeah. cut is like just over two. Yeah, it's I, not heard that it was, bad. I heard it was nonsensical though. The Redux? The, no, the Redux? theatrical one. Oh no, the Redux one is worse. Really? Yeah. Well, I've only ever seen the Redux, so... Okay, well, I mean, they just did that final cut, which is kind of the best yeah. of both worlds. So I actually recommend that one. I saw okay. the that's 4K... The, that's the one on the Blu-ray? Hmm? That's the one on the Blu-ray? The one on the new Blu-ray, yeah. The okay. 4K restoration and a new edit by Francis Ford Coppola. 
Okay. And it's taking some of the better parts from the Redux version, but some of it left out some of the uncomfortable parts, and it streamlined a bit of the uh, theatrical cut. Okay. So it all fits together a little bit. Because you're right, the theatrical cut is a bit too nonsensical. It doesn't have quite enough gap information to fill in the gaps. Yeah, that's what I heard when I was researching yeah. the movie. And the Redux, unfortunately, has so many scenes that are so unnecessary mm. that, I mean, there, one scene in particular for which the um, the uh, finding the Playmate bunnies after the fiasco, that's been removed for the final cut. That whole sequence is gone. And I'm watching the final cut, and I know where that edit is, and I'm thinking to myself, please, Francis, tell me you did the right thing. Cut straight to the French people. Yes! yes. <laughs> Thank you, Francis. Thank you. Not that you guys could see, but I was shaking my head, and I had yeah. my, my hand... Oh, yeah, you were... You were <laughs> yeah. That, like, oh, that yeah, scene that is questionable. Yeah. It's There's bad. a lot of things questionable in that movie, but yeah, it's Yeah, but that scene there particularly. That's yeah. still a great movie. I mean, it is very much of its time. I mean... But, the one thing I will say, though, The Thing, 1982... Bringing it back. Yeah. Bringing it back. We're really making an effort here, folks, because <laughs> yeah. we know the last I, couple I, I, weeks... I was about to say, tension aside. Tension aside. <laughs> Man, the last couple of weeks, we have been rough for this. We've been real rough. I feel sorry for our listeners. <laughs> I don't. They know what they signed up for. It's That's their own true. problem. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why they... Yeah, they put they hit play. It's their problem. <laughs> it's their problem now. <laughs> Deal with it. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. It throws the mic out the window. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, this movie here was not of its time. This movie was ahead of its time. Yeah. It's actually in a lot of ways, and especially in certain aspects of the horror elements, it's mm-hmm. still ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, right now, so historically speaking, historically speaking, uh, it was always horror used to be, oh, this is a monster. John Carpenter comes in with Halloween and says, "No, a man is going to be the monster." <laughs> well, no. Here, here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you right there and put a small pin in that. We've yep. had prestige horror: Rosemary's Baby, That's The Exorcist. Exorcist. Was that before? Yeah, Halloween. Seventy. Right, it was seventy-four. But it, I mean, it, there's always been that distinction. There's prestige horror, which is usually either religious-based or psychological horror. Mm-hmm. That kind of is... Rosemary's Baby is a perfect example of yeah, that. Yeah, that's definitely psychological horror. And then on the other side, you've had genre horror, which is pretty much what where Halloween really kind of came into its own. Yeah, because it was the first slasher. Yes, even though that's debatable now in terms of does it qualify anymore considering what the slasher genre has become. But that's it, true. it certainly started the whole reformatting of horror as a young people's movie. Yeah. Because it was aimed at a younger audience. Yeah, you had uh, high schoolers, even though they were 30 years old. Yeah. Oh, God, they look it, <laughs> the too, t- don't they? The, the typical Hollywood, I'm going to cast this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Old. <laughs> I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis was the right age, I think, but all the men in the movie were definitely way older, and it's kind of uncomfortable. And all the women who were nude mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> must yeah. have been much older I as well. God, we hope so. But... Um... <laughs> But yes. Yeah, uh, no, and Carpenter absolutely did kind of refresh the young people's movie, the horror movies, because that used to be really, I mean, it wasn't scary. It was all kind of just, I don't even know, it, it really hadn't left too far behind stuff like the thing from another world. It was all kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, but but yeah, so he's he's kind of known for kind of refreshing things oh, yeah. around. 
this movie, The Thing, is in 82, which is after Alien. After Alien, yeah. yeah Alien is 79. 79. Yep. Uh, Alien also kind of did, Ridley Scott did things very differently there, where it was oh, yeah. more focused on what you don't see as opposed to what you do see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the xenomorph or the alien was always hidden in the shadows. Yep. Even when they do show it full frame, you never really see the full thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and since then, we've most horror movies have really taken more from Alien than it has from The Thing, where, you know, right now, horror, if you're going to go for good horror, not mm-hmm. your cheap uh, hey. B-movies... But good horror usually has a lot of quick cuts. You don't really see things very clearly. Yeah. A lot of things are implied. Things like, uh, well, what The Quiet Place tried to be, <laughs> at least. Yeah. Uh, things like The Conjuring, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that clip. That one. Uh, and the only movies that really take from The Thing are more art house films like Hereditary, The Witch, or yeah. The Vivitch, depending the, on how you... The Vivitch, yeah. yeah. depending on how you... Or, like I mentioned to you, the one that actually really took quite a lot from it was uh, The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight? I yeah. mean, this is the thing, it's kind of... The thing... Because what The Thing actually did, it is... And this is something that is academically been discussed. I, this is, again, one of those movies I have actually yeah, written you, papers on yeah. back when I was doing, like, film studies and such is that it's considered the first truly postmodern horror film. Because up until this point, horror was always based on an external threat. There is, an, there is something out there we don't know coming to get us. This movie is all about there is something in us yep. that is coming to get us. It's, like, it's, it's very... Or among us. Yeah, there's something, part, something not outside of the human system, something inside the human system. The human body itself is the weapon against us. It's very... It's taking a lot of these clearly set boundaries on who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, and kind of messing around with that. And Mm -hmm. it's doing it in a very genre way. Yeah. Yeah, that never feels like it's a a movie that's trying too hard or anything like that. Really, I mean, Carpenter's really good at this, where when he makes a movie, it's, uh, like you're saying, genre films... They they feel like they belong essentially. It's not yeah. it's not someone who's trying to make an art house film. It's not like a David Lynch kind of situation no, where, no. where they're trying to be outside of the norm essentially. No, because or surrealist. I mean, here's the thing: the thing, just like every pretty much every John Carpenter movie, if you get right down to brass tacks, is a western. Yeah, I it's guess a, that's it's why a bunch. It works. It's a bunch of men on the frontier of some bad situation having to deal with some problem. Yeah, which why it meshes so well with Hateful Eight, like yeah. you're saying. So, uh, so yeah, and apparently there's uh, there's more coincidences with the hateful eight. Yeah, I mean it is when Tarantino was. This is quite normal in film practice, which is that you ask your cast and your crew to watch one or a few specific movies to kind of prep you for what you're aiming for in your production. Yeah, or read some books or something. Yeah, you're usually you have prep material. Uh, Baby Driver was all about the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. This one, the only film Tarantino told the cast to watch was The Thing. Yeah. And that's very much in prep because, I mean, he also cast Kurt Russell. I was about to say. Yeah. And I mean, he actually cast Kurt Russell. <laughs> with sporting a surprisingly similar beard. Yeah, that's true. It's actually, actually like, yeah, the, the yeah. McCready girl, old grown up pretty much would be that character from yeah. Hateful Eight. Pretty much. 
He is just as cynical. Oh, even more so. Yeah. More, more woman punchy, but admittedly, yeah. this movie has more women. That was really uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I was in this right in the beginning oh, yeah. with, uh, mm-hmm. with Samuel Jackson. I just see him punching this woman. I was like, oh, wow. Oh. I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> Wait, you, have you not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow, if you struggle with Hateful Eight. So, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Oh. Another... Interesting fact that you brought up, uh, which was with uh, again because we're on the topic of Hateful Eight, uh-huh. the music. Yeah, no, this is an Ennio Morricone score. This is, I think, the only major Carpenter film that isn't entirely scored by him. Yeah. He got in Morricone for most of this film, and the parts of the music score that weren't used for this film that were left over got actually put into the Hateful Eight. It's one of the major inspiration sources for a lot of uh, what Tarantino has got from Morricone. Because Morricone has done most of Tarantino's movies mm-hmm. for score. And Hateful Eight took a lot from the original soundtrack of this. Yeah, so a lot of similarities. Between a lot of similarities. And that's intentional. That's yeah. very much because Tarantino is trying to emulate this movie in his Western. Yeah, and this kind of movie is uh, often referred to, I think you said, uh, chamber movies, which is yeah. uh, basically a bunch of people in a single location yep. trying to solve some kind of problem. Yeah, I mean, it's got or that. Or discussing something. Yeah, it's set up in the same way where you have a limited cast in a l- single location and are locked to that location for some reason. Yeah. Uh, a great example that I brought up immediately yep. is uh, The Man from Earth. Yep. Which is a great film. So it's a film that we both highly, highly recommend. Don't Even watch the sequel. Don't watch the watch, sequel. Watch the original. Watch the original. And it's a fantastic uh, indie movie. Yeah. That's uh, that that does everything an indie movie should do. Which yeah, is very much so. Which is you stick to your budget. Yep. And you focus on the things that you do have control over, and not the things that you don't have control over. Yep. You get as many good character actors as you can. You don't worry about getting anyone popular. Yeah. People who can actually act. Exactly. You put them in a room, you give them a good script, and you let them run. Good script, great dialogue. Oh, yeah. Great uh, discussions. Yeah, no, and that's, that's a talkie movie, but it's a talkie movie that works. It's a talkie movie that where the concept is so interesting and the dialogue is so engaging yep. that you're you're there with them. And and you're sort of you're sort of a, one of the one of the crowd essentially you feel because yeah I mean what what I will say is that some movies you look at and you think this would make a great stage play or something mm-hmm. this is a movie that would make the Man from Earth would make a great audiobook oh yeah it's got very much that almost like a radio quality feel to it some of it yeah and it's mostly voiced by uh, the main character so oh yeah, yeah no, it it's would, it would very work. narrated yeah. Uh, but back to the thing. Yeah, no, just <laughs> just watching the movie, we leaving it behind. <laughs> yeah. just... but but bringing it back. So yeah, this is this is similar in the, in the sense where you're uh, it's just a bunch of people stuck in a in a location. Yeah, and it's a solid setup too. I mean, it, this is again something they kind of took from the original nineteen fifty four, the thing from another world, where it is a American research station. In Antarctica. In Antarctica. And one of the and they're really good at getting a lot of the baseline stuff done early on. The yep. exposition is very well written into the movie. Mm-hmm. We have no radio contact. The weather's terrible, so we can't go anywhere by helicopter, or we can't go too far. We are locked in this location. We have no communication, and we have no transportation. That's done right up front. We know where we're at. Yeah, and uh, you get uh, you get to meet the people that encountered this thing or whatever before, right? Right at the beginning. 
Yeah, no, we're inter- Norwegian based. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> which is quite funny because <laughs> both both of us speak Norwegian. Yeah, <laughs> which means that for this us, this movie is a little different. I don't know how it was for you, but for me, this movie came on, and the fir- everyone's like, "Oh yeah, this, is, this, is this movie, you know, you don't know what's going on," and because. One of the characters says what the actual movie is in Norwegian. Yeah. Right at the beginning, you're just sitting there going, well, I know what's going on. Yeah, no. And, I mean, like I told you, the whole reason why I saw the original 54 movie mm-hmm. was because I knew it had something to do with aliens yep. on Earth. Yep. And uh, it was called The Thing. Me, hey. It was called The Thing. It had a very unique font. And uh, that's what that's what I thought I was watching. <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine what you must have been thinking of those yeah, people I was who recommended like, it. I was like, I guess I'm just too young to understand Why this movie. Why is such a big deal? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no. Uh, eventually I saw... I like it. It's like being a kid and trying to watch uh, Citizen Kane. You're not going to get it. Heck, yeah. Even as, a, as an adult and watching Citizen Kane, it can be difficult... I especially, I mean, I love that movie too. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm just speaking in general. It is, especially in this day and age, it is not your oh, typical no. moviegoer uh, kind of movie. It's actually kind of coming around a little bit. There's been a lot of movies recently that have been a little bit reminiscent. Ides of March or whatever the hell that George oh, Clooney. I love that movie. Yeah, but so I mean, it's, there's a lot of those kind of movies kind of coming back into vogue now. Kind yeah, of weirdly. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think that, I think we respect audiences more now than we did for a period of time, and. We respected them more before that again. We've had a period without trust. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Plan 9, because famously Ed Wood did mm. uh, speak, at least according to uh, some sources, mm-hmm. and it's, it's portrayed in the movie Ed Wood yeah. by Tim Burton, where he actually meets up with... Uh, Orwell. Orwell. No, uh, no or- Orson, well, Orson, Orson, Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Orwell. Close to Orwell. Orson so Welles. close. My brain just <laughs> went there, because he did that radio play. Moving yeah. on. Orson Welles, uh, and, he, and he tells him that that was the only movie that he didn't have studio interference with. Yep. So that was the one movie that he, he had total control and turned out to be his best movie. Oh, by far and away. And hey, he didn't have to have any character in blackface for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Touch of Evil. <laughs> That's not, we don't mention that. <laughs> Still a great opening, though, that ticking time bomb. Uh, anyway, <laughs> back to... Uh, we really can make a tangent out of anything, can't we? It's unbelievable. What are we doing? Um, sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing we don't have a radio show, because we would have been cancelled ages ago. Probably, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, you're supposed to be reviewing the movie, why are you talking about this? Inter- interviewing people would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh boy, yeah. We would have asked some good questions. Mm, very divergent questions, <laughs> that's for sure. What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> In any, any case. case. <laughs> uh, we have too much fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... So we have a good setup. We know good setup. Yeah. And we've got a cast of characters. The one thing I will say which isn't truly in this film's favor, it's kind of one of the only complaints I have about it, the cast is just that little bit too large... And the character's not quite well enough introduced to keep a track of everybody. True. There are I some of these characters. There, there's like a there's like a handful of characters who you can really keep a track of. Yeah, it's the it's the handful that kind of remain in the latter half of the movie. Yeah, but you got a couple of dead meats that you really just kind of know from the start you're gonna lose because of the lack of depth that are given from the start. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I think this movie would have. Uh been better off with the smaller cast more, yep. and more intimate and not been so and not been uh, killing them off so nonchalantly 
Yeah, but some I also of them, some of them go kind of weird. Yeah, some of them do kind of just yeah. go. You're, yeah, I mean, one of them just like we literally just catch up afterwards and go, "Oh shit, he's gone." Yeah, <laughs> what right. do you think happened? <laughs> yeah, it literally happens. Which it's a nice, ca- it's a nice, it's a nice moment. touch. But you're, it would have mattered more if I could remember the dude's name. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I mean, we do have some actual standouts here. Personal. I mean, we got Kurt Russell. He is uh, McCready. Crazy. Who is the helicopter pilot who wears a Pancho Villa hat and is amazing. He's got a great leather jacket. He's got a great leather jacket. And he plays chess master. <laughs> yeah, well, he did in the first five seconds before he gets pissed off with the machine, pours his Jim Bean into it and Jim says, Bean. cheating bitch. Yeah, like a machine can cheat. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, but what a way to introduce a character. Right? Yeah, that's how he's introduced. Okay, yeah. we know who this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> He's our uncle who throws his phone when he can't run an app. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, that's me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But, uh, oh, you're yeah. not. Um, but yeah. You gotta wonder though, how much did that chess machine cost back then? Oh yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those things that's that's homaged so often. Oh yeah, that, that thing is just everywhere. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's 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 a really great introduction to a character. Yep. And uh, you also understand that this is he might be a pilot, but he's also intelligent. Yep. He's not he's not dumb, but no. he isn't a scientist. No, he's not he's not a scientist. No. Uh, which makes him a little bit more gung ho, I guess. Yeah, we got it, the other one who's gung ho is uh, Keith David as Childs. Keith David, I love that guy. Keith David is amazing. If we're gonna do another kind of follow up to this series, I recommend They Live. Keith David and Roddy Rod Rowdy Rod Piper. Roddy Rod Piper. Directed by John Carpenter. Again. Oh yeah, it's so, awesome. We're going down the Carpenter train. It has the longest consecutive fist fight in film history. Really? Up until that point, yeah. They they because the Roddy Rod Rowdy Rod Piper was a wrestler. Yeah. He got cast into this movie. He's the maniac. Him <laughs> and Keith David got together and choreographed like an eight minute fight between them where they're just beating the crap out of each other they showed it to Carpenter and he put the entire thing on screen why not and it's awesome <laughs> because they're not holding punches at all they were just really? yeah they're, you were just crap. watching two buff men beating the living crap out of each other <laughs> over a pair of sunglasses and it's amazing I mean the Keith David I love is the one who, mm. that's actually just the one scene or not even a scene it's like, oh, yeah. like a second of uh, Requiem for a Dream oh. but he's just smi- that <sighs> smile that he has I love that smile it's so didn't disgusting didn't take it out to breathe <laughs> such a disgusting smile it's great it what works. is it he says he has an amazing line there it's kind of like um... <sighs> I've seen that movie I'm so often too. you're Maid Marion and I'm Little John or something like that it's just like <laughs> it's such a Terrible thing to watch. Oh, yeah. But that whole movie is a oh, tough watch. It is a really touch, tough watch. Darren Aronofsky is a weird dude. Yeah. He's a hell of a filmmaker, but he is a weird dude. This is going to be a heck of a tangent, but oh, <laughs> speaking of Darren Aronofsky... Go, 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 go. I, love, I, love, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I probably have. Sure. I, think, I think Aronofsky uh, kind of straddles a really, really great line where mm. he's he likes to bring surrealist elements in his movies. Yep. But never go too far to where it becomes not almost nonsensical for most audiences. I'm going to pause you right there. The fountain. Yeah, what about that? I would have said that surrealist element goes not maybe too far in that movie, but for most audiences, really? Come on. 
I love that movie. It's a great <laughs> movie. Like, don't don't get please don't give me wrong. one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. You're hurting me now. Right? No, 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 no. <laughs> but that's a that's a movie that I think most people really yeah. just didn't know where to take. Actually, uh, what's what's great with that movie, uh, and I did this uh, sort of experiment with uh, with an ex. Mm. I showed her the movie. She obviously was a bit lost. Yep. Uh, because I mean, it's the kind of movie that you you would benefit from watching multiple times. Yes, I agree. Even though the subject matter is so heavy that you shouldn't watch it multiple times. <laughs> Says the man who claims it's one of his favorite it's movies. It's one of my... I've seen it so many times. Of course you have. That, that and you, Requiem for a Dream. Dark dude, man. Anyway. Really. <laughs> I, I, I even it out with Zack Snyder. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> Anyways, the trailer for that movie. Yeah. Does a great job explaining it. Does actually, yeah. No, yeah. the the trailer does a good. So job. I showed her the trailer afterwards, and a lot of things clicked. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can understand. I mean, I, I mean, Aronofsky. Aronofsky is pretty much just the the double punch that was the wrestler and Black Swan. Oh. That is a one-two punch for the ages. That for I me, believe he got the. Uh, Academy Awards for both those movies. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not him personally, but those movies that, yeah, won both Academy movies, Awards. Especially yeah. The Wrestler. Yeah, no. I, wrestler racked it in. Mickey Rourke coming back, you know, in a big Ooh. way. But boy, oh boy, did that movie just pack a punch. Mm. And it's amazing. Both those movies are just so good. Yeah. I I, I do really like Mother. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but it's a weird movie. It, the ending kind of goes a bit too it far. It gets so nuts. <laughs> it goes a bit too far. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... I, that's a movie where I really do... It's a, That's a movie I like, but I struggle to recommend. <laughs> yeah, most of Aronofsky's movies, uh, except for those two, yeah, Wrestler, Wrestler and uh, Black Swan, Black Swan. Are, the, are the only two where I can recommend wholeheartedly, while the others deal with some pretty heavy topics or show some pretty heavy Requiem things. you can recommend, but with a caveat. You can just kind of give it right up front, just like, ladies and gentlemen... Please be aware this movie will mess you up. Mm. You are not gonna feel the same walking out of this yeah, movie because it's not a violent movie per no. se. It's it's just such a it de- is, it's such a visceral movie yeah. and it's devastating. Devastating and it is devastating on a personal level. Yeah, because unfortunately, at least I don't. I haven't met anybody who watched that movie and couldn't relate it to somebody. Yeah. You can always, there's a cast, there's this whole host of characters, and you always know at least one of these people or someone walking down the same road. Yeah. And that's a hard, that's, really that's a hard. really hard thing. And that's a, I mean, it's well done, because boy, oh boy, you want to get someone off something? Yeah. Woo. Show them that. Show them that movie. <laughs> Come on. And yeah, that does, a, does a, an amazing job of showing that spiral. I mean, that's the context I saw it. I was put, it was shown in my school. Really? Yeah, this that's was disturbing. That was shown in school as a. It was a. How it was voluntary. <laughs> oh boy, I must have been sixteen. Yeah, sixteen, seventeen. Oof. And that was so put. Tough. It was. It was very clearly like you needed your parents' permission, mm-hmm. and it was put on for the purposes of the education. But it was highly encouraged. Yeah. And for good reason. I mean, it, it, reason. nothing will scare you. St- Right off almost anything, really. Yeah. That movie's rough. <sighs> um, but this one, not so much. <laughs> it's not that rough. <laughs> no. Although the monster designs are amazing. It was rough when it came out, though. Yeah. It was really rough when it came I mean, this is the thing. This movie really kind of almost broke Carpenter's career. He was on a real high because he did... I mean, Halloween made the most money per investment of any film ever made up till this point. 
And we also know that he did Escape from New York before. He did Escape from New York, which also was hugely successful. I mean, he he was kind of the pioneer of taking genre films to the big screen. Yeah. Suddenly we weren't drive-in anymore. We were on the big screen. We had big stars. We were making this happen. The genre film was kind of like... It was the first nerd revolution, almost. I mean, Star Mm -hmm. Wars had really wiped the slate clean. You can make a genre film make big money. Yeah. And Star Wars did it pretty much for all, like the blockbuster, Halloween, Halloween and Jaws did it for True. the the horror movie. They're absolutely right. They're the Jaws. ones who kind of knocked it out and said, "Look, you can make money here, everybody." Yeah, because you can't you can't really uh, forget Jaws and the impact that it had. Yeah, no, and Jaws was the block, the first summer blockbuster. Yeah, and Halloween kind of became the first teen blockbuster. For we finally had that kind of like it was. You know, subversive, but not too much. And it was made to a very younger audience, but it was a horror movie. It kind of broke new ground and created its own audience. And it started a lot of the tropes that we see nowadays. Oh, which is boy. The, yeah. The hornier the team, the more likely they're killed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, kind of, it was really that thing where the debate between what's the first true slasher. I would personally say the first true slasher is Friday the 13th. Because that's the first one that kind of created the formula. Halloween is the first one who kind of showed this market existed. Yeah, I agree. And then it kind of closes that chapter really well in the second movie. Yeah, and then they went... And then they went and did a whole bunch of other stuff. Yep. I mean, admittedly not directed by Carpenter. He that way he produced... Uh, in the lightest sense of the, of the term. Yeah, he got a paycheck. <laughs> he got a paycheck. He got a real paycheck. <laughs> For creating the character. Oh, man. Well, the third one doesn't even have the characters. That's but, true. Uh, Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. Witch. I respect the most out of all the Halloween movies. I, it has a pair on it, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's got stones. It's got stones. Uh, because it tried to do... I mean, these two movies were so successful. Oh, yeah. The first and the Huge. second one. Huge. That the fact that they said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna stick with the canon that that Carpenter wanted. We're yep. gonna, the thing is we're dead. Gonna do it the, the shape or whatever he's called is, is dead. We're yeah. gonna do it on ontological. We're gonna yeah. have a brand new set of characters, brand and, new story. Yeah. All right, everybody. We're gonna have a brand new stories. We've lost the shape. It's been awesome. What are we gonna replace him with? How about that guy from Cheers? We're gonna make him an alcoholic. <laughs> How about that, everybody? Let's make that the main character. It was a decision. Okay, what's the bad guy? Oh, it's a it's a it's an Irish dude who's a witch, but he's stolen pieces of Stonehenge to destroy the <laughs> children of America using robots who look like people in business suits and masks. Don't forget the mask. The mask. What was it silver shamrock? Oh my it's god! Just, yes, the silver sa- shamrock. Oh. I mean, th- this is the thing. That movie is so brave. You kind of wish someone had taken control of the situation. That yeah. car was veering off the road. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. Uh, so that did this thing. But this movie... And then the many, thing... many years later, uh, Nicolas Cage came out with a season of The Witch as well. Uh, um, completely movie, different movie. That boring. <laughs> a completely different movie. How could it has they... nothing to do with how, Halloween. How could they make a buddy cop medieval comedy... Buddy cop movie... In medieval times with Ron Perlman and Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. It's boring. I know. It's so boring. It's kind of like... uh, Kind of amazing. Yeah. Back on track. But that's the the thing. I mean, Carpenter was on a roll. Yeah. And then the thing thing came out, and it pretty much just snapped him down the middle. 
Yeah, because this was the, supposed to be his break into the big time in Hollywood, and he, it's it, it, had was, a, it had a big budget on our shows. Big budget, big cast. I mean, this was supposed to be his kind of like, look, I'm playing with the big boys now. Mm-hmm. I can be up there with like James Cameron's. I can be one of those guys because James Cameron did Terminator around like two years later. The second Terminator didn't do the first one, did he? James Cameron? Yeah, yes, he did. Be, I don't think he did. Oh, the first he did. One. He absolutely did. James Cameron did the first Terminator. Maybe. I'm telling you he did. No, no, he really... I'm, I'm, that's not even me guessing. I'm telling you he did. I don't remember that he, he was... Uh, I, I might have been mistaken. I, I, might have been, I might be conflating it with the fact that he did Aliens and not the first Alien. Yes, he did. Ridley Scott did Alien. Yeah. James Cameron did Aliens. He did both the Terminators. Okay. He didn't do the third one or the fourth one or any of that or crazy of nonsense, but he did He did the, fir- the first two completely. <laughs> he approved Dark Fate. <laughs> yes, thank you, with James. The, with the T one thousand. With the T one thousand, he also did the tit- he also did Titanic. So <laughs> yeah, we'll give him. Yeah, Titanic's all right, but we'll give him a pass on Titanic. Yeah, the well... Lita Balladger was also okay. I never watched that. I couldn't get past the eyes. I gotta tell you, you want to talk about a moment that'll break you? I watched that. I was watching another movie, and the opening trailer on the cinema was that. And this girl turns around, and I had an Odyssey got a heart attack. I'm like, what is Whoa. happening? And the weird thing is, the actual actress they used yeah. has really big eyes. Yep. They could have just used her. They could have, but no. <laughs> Man, that was freaky. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Because all the other, like, cyborgs or whatever are just regular humans. Her eyes freaked me out, because it was not what I was expecting. I had I wasn't really paying attention, and then that yeah. creature came on screen, and I had a moment. <laughs> But the thing almost broke Carpenter's career. Boy, yeah. we really are we, yeah, I know. We're trying so hard. Trying. We're terrible. <laughs> we are awful at this. But, um, and it really kicked him out. I mean, he, this was kind of the beginning of the end for his really winning yeah. streak. Hand by critics, uh, did didn't, really well, did didn't really do, awful in the box office. Yeah, I mean, it did, this is the thing. If this movie had been just a few years later, it probably would have saved itself on rental. Oh, yeah. But we weren't there yet. This is 1982. Blockbuster really didn't come into its own until, like, 86. Yeah. And that's kind of where this movie lost out. It was a genre flick before the genre flick could be self-supported on home video. Mm-hmm. And Which is where most Disney sequels were. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you want to get into that tangent. <laughs> well, so many tangents. <laughs> but, I mean, because what did he do after this? I'm trying to actually think now. Um, well, we can look we it can up. We can look it up. I mean, it's... I'm trying to his his eighties output was solid, but it wasn't quite there compared to that early eighties kind of run he had. Um yeah, I'm trying to think of what he did. Um regardless. Yeah, here we go. No, no, we we got it here, so Okay. Um, so here we go. Resurrection Bronco, Escape from New York. Halloween so Dark 2. Star was kind of his like his big one. He did a solid on Precinct Precinct 13. Mm-hmm. Then comes Halloween, then comes the fog. Which is a great movie. I love that. Escape yes. from New York, Halloween Two, The Thing, and then Halloween Three: Season of the Witch, which he's executive producer on. Yeah. He's not, uh, and he's credited as a co-writer. Interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah, and then but he didn't direct Christine. again until he did two years later. Christine, yeah. how? No, next year is Christine, nineteen eighty-three. That's the car that kills everybody movie. <laughs> it is the the soundtrack is fun, but it's completely forgettable. Yeah. Starman, yeah, also so with basically, Kurt basically started falling, 
and then gets his rise where we started this whole thing. Big Trouble in Little China, China, then Prince of Darkness, they live, and then really just shot himself in the foot with Memoirs of an Invisible Man. uh, Chevy Chase, man. I haven't seen it. Oh, my lord in heaven. But I know the movie. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that movie is something else. It's, uh... Yeah. And then kind of saves himself a little bit in the mouth of madness, Sam Neill, great movie, and that's about as that's far about as we it. go. Yeah. Because everything after that it was terrible. Escape from LA in ninety six. Oh my god. <laughs> Vampires with uh James Woods. Yeah. No. Oh my god, that no. movie is <laughs> terrible. It's so bad. And then the Fog remake in two thousand five. I didn't even know that there was a remake. The Fog remake's actually pretty decent. The show... The Fog remake has a... Wait, no. What? No, no, they did a remake. I've never watched that. I was thinking of The Mist. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I know know The Mist. Mm -hmm. It's it's good. (laughs) But... uh, Yeah, no. Yeah. Ghosts of Mars with Ice-T. Ooh. (laughs) Man, that movie is... Isn't that the movie that they parody in uh, Rick and Morty? Yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. (laughs) Show me what you got. (laughs) And then he did The Ward in like 2010 and it wasn't very good. It's the last time he directed yeah. anything. He's like, nope. Look at that. Executive producer in Halloween 2018 and 2021. Yeah, and he pretty much just told everybody straight up that's a paycheck. Yeah. He's not really involved. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird to see that he's not credited in uh, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Yeah, no, he had nothing to do with those. <clears throat> they just straight up bought the intellectual property from the studio. Cool. So they, they didn't involve him with that at all. <coughs> Admittedly, those movies have the strangest cameos of any film ever. There's a lot of things you expect to see in a Halloween movie. Weird Al Yankovic is not one of them. Mm, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> and with that I, actually, I actually, like, guilty pleasure, like the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. I will say that I like the first half of the first movie. Yes. Because that isn't a Halloween movie. That is... That's a prequel, essentially. You could just call that Hellbilly the movie, and it would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Halloween. That's true. I mean, Halloween starts famously with uh, seeing the, the POV shot. The POV shot. The little boy. The mask, and he kills yeah. his parents or whatever. And then... Um, and then... Cut course, to much much later, where Loomis is talking about it. Here, yeah. here, they kind of they kind of focus a bit more on the pre... On the, the yeah, build-up. they do a lot of this, like, this is why he's a psychopath thing. The mom's a stripper. It's all very confusing. Yeah. The kid it's is very on the nose. <laughs> it's very on the nose. And everyone's a hellbilly. So, I yeah. mean, it's very Rob Zombie. Let's it's, be honest. Yeah, it's, it's Rob Zombie. It's his thing. Who... I kind of enjoy as a filmmaker. He has interesting art direction. He has interesting art direction, but I'm, I'm at least for me, that's kind of what he's got. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, all he's got. That's kind of where he loses me. Yeah. Also, the fact that, of course, since the stripper mom is his you know, wife, is his wife, <laughs> Shelley Moon's <laughs> because of course she is, because she does that in all of his movies. Yes, she does. <laughs> it, it, it's just a weird thing. It's kind of like okay, there's a stripping sequence. That's the kid's mother, and it's the director's wife. We get it, Rob. Yeah. You're Rob, really proud of your wife. We get it. Good for you. Nice of you to show her off. Can we stop now? No, no, no. Please tell her to put it back on. <laughs> Just, no. dude. Just, what is this? Anywho. <laughs> back on the, back on the thing. Man, the, we both love this movie. We do. We yeah. really do. And, I mean, this is the thing as well, I guess. Everyone kind of knows the beats of this. Don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's a very well-spoiled no. movie. Yeah, I mean... It's well-known, the, the little twist ending. Yeah. Or, not really a twist, but it's a, yeah. like a, a thinker of an ending. Yeah, and it's like we were talking about, it is this kind of 
you know, postmodern concept where fear of... It's not fear of the external, it's fear of the internal. Yeah. Uh, and I think it does... It executes on all that really, really well. The yeah. scenes... Uh, we have to mention the amazing work by the special effects department. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. This is uh, at least partially Stan Winston is involved in this. It's some of the it's best... It's a real crew. and it's, it's some of the best practical effects you're going to see whew. ever. And it's, this is the thing that really sets it apart. It's practical effects that they had faith in. Yeah. They do not shy away from this. They do not hide a lot of this. Yeah, and that's sort of what I was getting at earlier. So so now, obviously, all of it is CGI, which is yeah. still... I mean, it's still a special yeah. effect, and some of, the, some of the CGI can be really good, but, but it's usually <sighs> hidden. It's quick cuts. Yep. They don't really linger on the, on the so-called monsters all that much. No. Here, they're... You linger on those shots a long yeah. time. So I mean, here. So just to give a little bit of background, the we start with Norwegians. They're chasing a dog, and the dog, as the Norwegians thankfully tell us, we're very lucky, yeah. is that it's not a dog; it's a thing. It's some kind of. thing. It's some kind of thing. And the important part here is that it isn't a specific monster with a specific monster design. No, this is a creature that is an amalgamation of the animals it consumes. Yeah, it, or, or gets the DNA from Yeah, it, it, it copies people and animals and takes their forms and kind of infiltrates. Yeah, or as the computer simulation thankfully tells us oh, in the middle yeah, of the yeah, movie, excellent. it assimilates. It's just, it assimilates <laughs> yeah. and replaces. Essentially. Yeah. Man, that computer simulation yeah. thing is great. It's <laughs> so good. It's so slow. Too. It's so it's great. amazing. <laughs> and the idea is that you don't know who is the thing. This thing is clearly smart. It can hide its tracks. It is not... And it's not, it's weird because it's kind of this weird line where the second it's under threat, it's pure animal. Mm -hmm. It is a screaming monster made out of flesh and teeth and eyes bones. and bones. And it, it's, there, there's nothing cohesive or intelligent about it. It is pure monster. Mm -hmm. But right up until that point, it is acting like the person it's replaced. It is hidden amongst you. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's sort of taken over that life and, yeah. and it just plays it out as it would. Yeah, until it can get to other places. And it's it's like yeah. a disease more than it is like a conventional monster. Yeah, it, it, it acts more of a, like, a, like a virus, you're right. Yeah. Um, but a very intelligent one. Extremely. Which means, though, that when it does go crazy, the monster design has to be insane because it is this organic mess being produced from whatever the host is. And it gets... Or the, or the collection of DNA yeah, that it's taken so far. Yeah, it's got some dog in there, it's got some yeah. human in there, it's got and some it's, spider. Yeah, and there's nothing, you know, lizard, fur, this is all, not even skin, this is all flesh yeah, and flesh bone, and, bone and, and it cartilage is nasty and looking. <laughs> this thing is goopy. Yeah, and that was one of the things I was telling you, which mm -hmm. is, you know, the fact that it's practical effects, you can really see the viscous really nature yeah. of its of its uh, fluids, which you don't really get that much of in, in CGI. No, it, it, we I'm, still haven't reached those. We really haven't even come that close. Photo really, photorealism isn't there yet. We're no, not no. Close. Photorealism is where we're at. We, as a still, it can look really very oh, realistic. Sure, but in <laughs> movement, movement and in motion, light. yeah, motion and lighting are. Uh, we're not there. 
Uh, like we can get the light perfect in a, yep. in a still, but the moment it starts moving, it starts. Uh, you can clearly see that this is not real. Yeah, I mean, what was it? I recently saw a clip from one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies where Ooh. they have this Davy Jones oh, yeah. character, oh, the squid face. Yeah, and it's you know it's a squid, so it's supposed to have <laughs> mucus and liquid, and it's wet and it all. And you look at the difference between that creature in that film, which is pure CGI. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Nike that's buried under yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. And this thing. And it's just worlds apart. Famously, uh, I think it's Bill Nighy. It is Bill Nighy, yeah. yeah. Famously, he uh, saw the, the suits that they had to wear for... Um, uh, mostly you probably know, yeah. but you have to wear these like really skin-tight suits with mm-hmm. these blobs on them if you're yep. going to do the CGI. And uh, famously, he went up and saw that, and he just went... I'm not going to wear that. My character would never wear that. <laughs> Which is a beautiful moment. <laughs> my my character would get paid more, though. My yeah. character would absolutely get paid more, and my character requires a drink. <laughs> yes, I need a drink. Yes, my character needs a drink. Oh, he has an accent. Oh, we've only done three weeks of shooting. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> he couldn't have cared less. I was speaking, you know what, talking about things like that, my favorite little factoid that I just ran across the other day, Martin Feldman on the cast of, on the set of Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. without anyone knowing, kept switching the, where the hump was, because he's the hunchback, Yeah. and after three weeks they realized he'd been changing it for different scenes, and they had to write it into the script. Interesting. I uh, don't think I ever caught that. That's really good. There's an actual moment because like, they look at it, he, uh, Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yeah. And, uh, Gene Wilder looks at him one time and goes, Wasn't your hump on the. I'm. And they have this little moment and he just goes, What? <laughs> and they move on. It's just <laughs> they like they, they have this little moment where they acknowledge oh. that it's been changing because they had to. Yeah, rest in peace, Gene Wilder. Oh, man, that yeah. is just sad. Him and Ennio Morricone. I mean, yeah. yeah, we lost him too. Speaking of the music. Man, that guy is a legend. Yeah, because you were saying, like, uh, it's essentially him and uh, John Williams, John Williams kind of pioneered the movie score. Yeah, I mean, because where you really... Morricone did a lot of, like, Italian movies in the early 60s, but where American audiences or international audiences really met him, the Spaghetti Western. That's his. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once upon a time, once upon a time in the West, um, for a few dollars more, the good, the bad, and the ugly, a fistful of dollars. Those are all Morricone. Sergio Leone only used Morricone. Yeah. And Morricone scored before they shot. They would play his music on set. That's amazing. And it works so well. Yeah, because usually, usually, they yeah. uh, they give the footage to the composer. The composer Correct. then composes the the music. Sergio Leone, Sergio Leone said that Ennio Morricone was his best writer. Makes sense. Because he would, they, he would, Ennio Morricone would write his music based on the script. And then they would build shots around how the music moved. Yeah, I bet, I bet the storyboarding and the scenario writing was, was based on, yeah. with the music in mind. Because the music, that's why it fits so well. Funny enough, I'm, right. gonna, I'm gonna do something here. Oh, Zack Snyder famously. <laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> Zack Snyder famously, because in a lot of his movies, especially. If you weren't bigger than me, I would throw you through the window. <laughs> I, have I to bring swear him up. I have to. to God. 
<laughs> I have to. As the only Zack Snyder semi-defender, I guess. <laughs> I have to. Anyways. Why? In most of his movies he uses a soundtrack. He doesn't really score. It's only in the, the Man of Steel, uh, Batman, whatever, mm-hmm. that they really started using score. And they still use Junkie XL for... Um, for uh, scoring and also selecting the soundtrack. Right. So what he does is he usually pops the soundtrack on while he's doing the storyboards. Mm. So in a very similar vein to well, admittedly, I mean you gotta you gotta love Zack Snyder. Let's let's take a little moment there and just have fun with your hero. <laughs> Stop Where... with my hero. I don't really three hundred great three hundred Zack <laughs> yeah. Snyder film. Famously, the only film that has ever been successfully sued for stealing the soundtrack from another movie. Right. Yeah, because uh, there is a the, the the big beat from Three Hundred. Mm-hmm. You know that yeah, that yeah. section That's there played throughout the whole movie. Yes, <laughs> that is stolen note for note, composition note for composition note from an Anthony Hopkins movie. Which one? Titus. Really? Yes. Oh, it's on my list. I haven't seen it yet. Oh yeah, no. That they, I I literally just saw the the cover art and I had to uh, you, I have to it, put it on my it's list. It's crazy. It it's so nuts because okay, we all remember what that sounds like from Three Hundred. It's like the uh, dun, yeah, dun. Well, don't play it. I guess. No, no, we can we can get away with like ten seconds. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, that's kind of fascinating. The only yeah. movie to be successfully yeah. So okay, so, you know that you have the Three Hundred one in your head, yeah. right? Come on, don't, don't give me the ads. I hate <laughs> YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> I hate it so much when it does this to me. Oh. Wow. They straight ripped it off. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta schedule it. <laughs> and so, what apparently happened, the story goes that when they, what you do a lot of times when you're editing, if you don't have the soundtrack yet, is that you put in sound from another movie to kind of cover, and they realized that when they were done editing, they'd done it so precisely to this music that they couldn't change it. So, they just told their composer to just rip it off and hope nobody would notice. I mean, they could have just bought the license to. Nope. They couldn't? Oh, no, they could have, but they didn't. Okay, so they were already over budget, which is typical of Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, one of his MOs. <laughs> so, just to recap, your hero, Zack Snyder, thief. Moving on. Not my hero, but great. <laughs> you bring him up I bring every him up episode. Because I know how much it annoys you. Uh, Plus, he's, he's great. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's an endless source of entertainment. <laughs> he's an endless source of something. <laughs> it steams. So. <laughs> yeah, so no, this movie is a real... It's, it, it's almost Agatha Christie-esque, I would have said, the thing. Sure. That has very, like, uh, typical noir-ish... Yeah, I mean, you're, we are... We, we don't know who the killer is. We, everybody's a suspect. I yeah. mean... The only and one we kind of have faith in is McCready because we're the only the main character. He's the one we're following the entire movie. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the only safe space. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know Kurt Russell does an amazing job. We mentioned while we're watching it again yeah. uh, today is he he really plays this character not in the comedic way like he does oh, in, no, in, I mean, in Big Trouble in Little China mm-hmm. and not in the overly like. Serious, serious, bordering so, on parody. So silly. It's so serious. It's silly. Yeah, with Escape from New York. Yeah. 
It's Pliskin. Pliskin. Yeah. <laughs> but but here he really he really shines as an actor yeah, because he's, he's actually acting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Where uh, uh, Lawrence Olivier, my dear, it's called acting. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, uh. But, but yeah, uh, he. He does, he does this really great thing throughout the movie where, you know, the the character introduction, he plays chess, but yep. he's a pilot, so he's an intelligent person, but he's not the scientist. Uh, and you sort of see that play out where where others are thinking more meticulously and are scared or, yeah. or you know, and he's 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 kind of just there absorbing it and problem solving. He seems to be the only one who's aware aware kind of right from the start. We need to get out of this alive. His whole mentality is survival of the group. He's not thinking about anything else, almost. Yeah, until the halfway mark, where that sort of switches to we just need to we just need to get rid of this thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah, if no, there's a, not, yeah. it's a little bit later than the halfway mark, but he has he does have a turn where he realizes that the priority list has changed, and that's and that's after he's seen, uh, and that's after he has that emotional moment, which is done so well because it's not a, such a typical like Hollywood close up yeah. or anything. It's actually a pretty wide shot. Yeah. Uh, and you see a lot of busy work happening around. He's the only one just standing still, absorbing the yeah. fact that this person is dead. Yeah. And he's just staring at it. We have, we have a collection of bodies we have just burned. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like we both noted, his his despair lasts exactly as long as it takes for the next problem to occur. Exactly. The second there's another problem, he's back in the driver's seat. He's back in it. And uh, even when he seems to be losing control, he... Has control. Yep. No, of the situation. Um, but uh, obviously the others don't trust him. And, and nobody so, trusts anybody. I mean, nobody trusts anybody. That there's is. a small bit that's very noir where it's him sitting with his little recorder, yeah. sipping his Jim Beam. Without ice. This Without time. ice. Yeah, it's like I noticed, like, he's in Antarctica. It's freezing. Why is there no ice in that drink? Jim Beam is already awful to drink. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Now well, it's he, just he punishment. Just, yeah, he just reached that, that moment now yeah. of uh, past the point of no return, essentially. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's sort of where, where he realizes yeah. that yeah, it doesn't matter if we survive. What matters is we just get rid of this yeah. thing. And it's him recording himself, and he literally just has this little moment where he takes a sip of the drink and just says, nobody trusts each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And from there, it just really escalates. And it's, and it's so beautifully done where the audience... I don't know if the testy audience had problems with this, but at least for me, when I was watching this the first time, that's yeah. when I understood that, you know, you really didn't need that scene earlier. Nope. Where they, they have to specify, like, oh, no, in, in 27,000 hours, the whole world would be taken over if we don't Yeah, and th- you can almost sense that that was something that was either cut in or filmed in the expectation that people wouldn't get what was going on. Yeah, because because that scene very solidifies that. Yeah. Where it's like, you know what? Like, this is a danger to the world, and we just have to figure it out. Yeah. This thing is a disease. I mean, it mm-hmm. is... <laughs> I think we both had a small moment where they're like, uh... Because this thing can maybe travel in particles, we should all be preparing our own food. Yeah. And we're both just sitting there going, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> they're just quarantining. Yeah. They're quarantining. <laughs> and they're not, I know that game. <laughs> they're not following quarantine. Everything's gone wrong. Yeah. Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Got all Gotta measure Wilford Brimley. So great to see Wilford. Yep. Very different here from, uh, uh, what was the name of the movie? Hard Target. Hard Target. Where (laughs) this jolly old Santa on a horse shooting. A (laughs) raging Cajun. (laughs) 
I mean, this is the thing that Wilfred Brimley, here in Hard Target, he's going like full on with this ridiculous fake accent. Here yeah. he's kind of not got an accent, which is so weird because he's usually full Montana. Yeah. I'm used to hearing him talk about diabetes. 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 I lost my trigger finger to diabetes. But here he's very, he's, he plays a scientist. He actually he plays it quite well. He it's, plays it very well. He's I, actually the first one to sort of catch on and, and oh realize no, he's that. He's really the first one. He's like, oh shit. Yeah, he's the first one to go, oh shit, we gotta get rid of this thing. Admittedly, he's the guy who goes, oh shit, and then immediately starts taking an axe to the environment. Yeah. And it, then and then you hear that, then you hear him. Then you're like, oh, there's the Montana. There's he's, Montana. he's talking very calmly and everything's fine. And then. Now I must go the kid out of here live. Just like, oh yeah, here we go. And him shooting the gun like he's in a 1954 cop yeah, movie is amazing. He's like, he's throwing it down. Yeah, while he's he like, shoots bang, it. bang. It's like, okay, what? Are, who are you chasing, baby face? Come on. Oh god. So yeah, he's great in this movie. He's and, really great and, in this movie. But it's really interesting because that scene happens. Yep. He breaks all the equipment. Yep. Which is strange. Behavior, yeah, uh, but it's him you, trying you, to keep them think, from leaving. Yeah, and, and you you'd think. Th- you'd think that no, well, actually, I think the the first thought, and they kind of have it themselves, yeah. is that oh, this person has turned. Yes, and I think the audience are also meant to go that way, but I th- I'm pretty sure that Carpenter meant for that to be a bit more ambiguous because when he's in. Uh, quarantine. They, they, this is the only person they actually isolate entirely. Yes, it is. Yeah, they give him, like a thing of vodka and two cans of beans. Yeah, they just leave him out in the, the wilderness. And then you get that terrible scene where they go to check on him, and it's just a noose hanging there. And it's not mentioned. It's just it's literally hanging right next to his face. Yeah. He's eating his beans, and, and it, it's no, just it's just there nonchalantly. No, it's just him saying like. I'm fine now, and if I wasn't fine before, I'm better now. You can take me back in. And you just see Kurt Russell's eyes flick to this noose, yeah. just him like, oh, you should stay here. Yeah, I was like, well, we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. That's he, Kliskin. <laughs> he did. No, he gets a bit Kliskin in this. He has a, I don't yeah. know, Giles, I'm a real light sleeper. Yeah. He yeah, has, he has a, a couple of moments. That's when he goes completely insane. <laughs> Admittedly, they locked him out in, like, what is it, minus 100 degrees yeah, Fahrenheit yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that? He's losing it. Yeah. He's like, no one's killing me in this movie. Yeah. Him, him there with, a like, a stick of dynamite and a flamethrower. Not one stick. A freaking bundle. A bundle of dynamite. <laughs> Admittedly. And then he gets this bandolero, like you were saying, yeah, the, of dynamites around him. Like he's going to go hunt down the miner who killed his wife. But oh, God. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say is this movie has this amazing ability for audience serendipity. This yeah. thing where, like, once in a while, a line is said exactly as the audience is thinking it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brings you in with the characters, because the characters are as surprised as what by what is happening as you are. Yeah, and it's not it's not over the top. Like, in a lot, a lot of horror movies, especially, like, even really good ones, yeah. it's, the reactions are almost always unrealistic. They either do really stupid things... Yep. Uh, which still happens to this day. Oh, yeah, completely. That's, that's a trope that's never going away. Nope. Or they react to situations way too over overtly or underwhelmingly. Oh, yeah. Like, no. they see something that's clearly a problem or a situation that's clearly insane, and they just go like, oh, all right, I guess I'll join it. Like, no, no rational person would do that. No. I mean, here, here they're losing it, but they're losing it in a way that I can... That it, is entirely realistic. To their character. Child yes. is losing his temper. Windows is trying to run away. 
Mm-hmm. Mac is trying to keep a hold on everything, but clearly is kind of not able to most of the time. It's this weird dichotomy. And, and the radio is problem- solving problems. That's all he can yeah. do. That's the only way he can stay in control. Exactly. Problem and solving. there are these wonderful moments where you really like have these interactions where they're talking about things. Mm-hmm. They're not- and it's kind of like, look, we found his stuff and we think he's one of them. We've left them outside and he's trying to get in. And you have this 30 second debate. What if we're wrong? No, it has to be him. And they're talking themselves into a course of action they clearly don't want to take. Yeah. And that's kind of... Those little moments are what you're missing in a lot of these movies. Yeah, I know. It's just what, it's what makes it so believable and what makes this movie so... Uh, so much more... You could... I, mean, I wouldn't say horrifying because no. it's not really horrifying. Shocking. But it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And because... the best part of that is that once in a while they really do get you. Yeah. The timing and the pacing, like they've set up a beat for the movie and you think, I know what's going to happen. And then either two steps in front or behind what you're expecting, it takes a sharp left. Although, I don't think there was a single jump scare in this movie. Not in the traditional sense. Uh, well, this is the thing. This is what I'm talking about. I'm, I'll, give you, I'll give you two that I think would qualify, but not in a cheap way. Yeah, like it's not, it's not like... Ooh, it's not, it's no, not like those kind of but jump it scares. is when you're in a tense situation, but the tension is broken by the horror in ways you don't expect. Yeah, like like uh, I guess for example is the when they're doing the blood test. Yep. Yeah, like that's uh, fine. That that could be because we're really we're building, we're building, we're building, we're building, we're building, we're building, and now we've established a pattern. Everything's fine. Bang. Yeah, but it, it's sort of like you're told beforehand that this is going to happen for one of them. Yeah. You just don't know when. Yeah, but they're setting it up and they're filming it in a way that when it does happen, it is a surprise. Sure, yeah. And the same way with the defibrillator. Yeah, that's true. You're, you're, you're in a situation where you know something has got to break, but it breaks left and not right. You're very, you're, It's coming from a different area than you think it's going to. Yeah. Yeah, but nothing really jumps out of the screen. No, and they don't it's do a like, cheap jump scare. Yeah, there's no not, cat. Yeah, I was about to say. I was just like, no. I was just about to say. There's that fake out with the cat. There's none. Oh. There's none of that. Because Alien has that, and it pisses Alien me off every time. As good as Alien is, and I love that movie to bits. So do I. It has, Completely. It has that. Harry Dean Stanton. Sorry, that cat. God damn it. Ah. <sighs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So this is this is. An amazing horror movie that, oh, yeah. that should be on anyone's list to watch. If you if you're a, if you're a horror hound, I mean, if you if you're not a horror person, avoid. If you don't have a strong stomach for yes, that's true. Stuff. We should we should put that caveat where yeah. where yeah, some of the monster designs are just so good that it's actually it's difficult. Good. It's it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it gets you. There are a couple that are not as of, great. Yeah, but I'm guessing it has a lot to do with the quality of film and, and stuff. Like yeah, I, I, what we were watching is a pretty much a direct, like a DVD version of this movie. I, I don't know if there's a 4K version of this yet. I suspect this movie doesn't hold up quite so well in 4K. Yeah, because then everything is much brighter and more visible. Yeah, and I uh, think this unless, movie... Unless they've remastered the color. If, they, if they've ah, color graded boy, it, then boy. maybe they can get away with it. Oh, please, please, please. Because there's a lot of these movies that aren't surviving the 4K transfer of this nature because... <laughs> Face they... off famously with the, with the, the stunt, stunt doubles. That's <laughs> so obvious. Wow, that was bad. Yeah, face off, man. I mean, I love that movie, but... Uh, <laughs> when you John have John Travolta, Nick Cage... John McSmith and Bob Hardbarty <laughs> are just flying so through the air. Just they look dude. nothing like not even the right hair color, yeah, not the right build. John Travolta. Why is the guy who played him in uh, you know 
Tarantino movie with a mullet flying through the air here for just a second. <laughs> what happened? Who are you? <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. No, oh, this... so, so, so yes, I think some of the, the creature designs, if you can find a cut of the movie that's slightly worse quality, is actually probably beneficial in that You're case. probably looking for an original cut. You're not looking for a remaster on this one. Unless it's a... I don't know, you can look into it. I haven't done the research. Yeah, I haven't done the research either. Because, uh, I mean, the one that really... This, we mentioned Terminator earlier. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's a movie that's, that... That did not hold up It didn't hold up to 4K that great, especially it, it the... Uh, it wasn't amazing for the time. Like, it was good, but it, it was wasn't really amazing. Good. Eh, there's some parts of it that were pretty good, but yeah, I mean, like even for the time, because because they had a very restrained budget. Oh yeah, so, little tiny yeah, budget. Yeah, so that what they were able to pull off was was Huge. what they were able to pull off is amazing, but the actual effects weren't the best of the time. Yes, but it was still good. That has not really yeah. held up. <laughs> there's also the fact that, and and I hate to bring it up, but uh, one of the big kind of little like here is the problem with 4K. Yeah. things is that Arnold Schwarzenegger walks nude in that movie which you don't see anything really of in the original cut because it's dark yeah 4k Terminator. has uh 4k has fixed that problem yep. apparently <laughs> yep you see it in all its glory <laughs> oh man did you look <laughs> of course I look ah, <laughs> you think I'm you not look. gonna look at the governor's penis <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, oh, I'm mean, lies. I mean, the little baby face. And God, stuff. I haven't watched that movie in forever. Mm. I mean, you mean Total Recall? Total Recall. Sorry, yes. Total Recall. True Lies. Baby face is True Lies. No, I mean that little. True actor. Lies has has other problems. The horse. Uh, yeah. No, I'm talking about uh, Total Recall. You're absolutely yeah. right. Total Recall. Those effects. Woo. Yeah, Total Recall. <laughs> my bet doesn't hold in 4K. <laughs> no. Really. I mean, personal favorite in, though. In full HD, it doesn't hold up. No, so I can only imagine. I haven't watched that movie in so long. <laughs> I, 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 we should watch that. I haven't watched that in ages. But, Do you uh, want to watch the Colin Farrell remake? No, oh, oh mercy, no! Come on, it's got Kate Beckinsale. I don't like Kate Beckinsale. Jennifer Beals or not Jessica Beale? Who? The I, other one. I don't. <laughs> All of those. That, that, the one in Seventh Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> the one married to Timberlake, Justin Timberlake. Are they married? I don't know. They're, I don't they're, know. They're a couple. <laughs> That that bill. I, I love the fact that you are giving me the most useless phrase of reference humanly possible. I love seventh heaven. Who can remember that other than me? I didn't even remember that existed until you just said the words. Oh, I just had total recall. I just like wait. <laughs> that was on TV. Oh mercy! I forgot who. T- I didn't even remember Justin Timberlake was a thing. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> stick with me. I'll give you all your Snyder details uh, and your Timberlake. And you goddamn millennial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Ah, oh, yeah, like Guns Akimbo. But well, I'm so glad I haven't seen that. Oh man, dude, you saw the paper. <laughs> I, I saw. Yeah. I saw the promotional photo, and I was just like, "That looks ridiculous," and I'm not watching it. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, it's not a movie that can live up to its own ridiculousness. It doesn't really go where it needs to go for no. that movie to work. No. Uh, no. <sighs> Do we want to go there? No, we're not going to go Okay, there. thank God. We're just not thank going God. to. <laughs> I mentioned Snyder. I think that's enough. <laughs> I think we've had enough. <laughs> I think we've had enough. I don't need to. I don't know. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, mercy. Oh, God. What was the thing I had today? Oh, you know Memories on Facebook, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I have mine disabled to show up on my feed, but they're still showing up in the side view of my thing. Mm-hmm. And I clicked on it today just for fun. 
and it's around this time apparently, many years ago, I was super hyped about this new movie where the director of 300 and Kevin Costner and uh, oh. I was like, oh my god, look at all these people who are making this movie. Yeah, and absolutely. now I look back and I'm like, oh, you silly child, you had too much hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Superman movie. What the hell were you expecting? <laughs> Entertainment. Yeah, that's true. It's not really all that entertaining, is it? <laughs> it's a very melodramatic movie. Okay, but no, no, sorry. That movie just, I, I know we... We shouldn't go there, but I need to point out that is the movie where you are watching Superman and Lois Lane heavily make out with all of the 9-11 imagery happening in the background. Oh, yeah. The towers right. are just falling. Yeah. And here's the thing someone pointed out to me as a, like, or I heard somewhere else, like, I can't remember where I got it from, but you gotta remember, Superman has the super hearing. Yeah. He is making out to the dulcet tones of, ah! Yeah. Help me! <laughs> And it's funny because they actually refer to that earlier in the movie yes. where he loses control of the situation because he's, he's hearing too much <laughs> and his mother had to calm him down. So apparently the screams of the innocent is the equivalent to him of down, 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 hey, down. Hey man, if you've seen the other movie, <laughs> Batman v Superman, clearly oh. that's the case. He gets off on this stuff. Yeah, for him it's just careless whispers. It's mm-hmm. just like... chance that he can turn. Oh. <laughs> Gotta take it as an absolute certainty. <laughs> yeah. Batfleck, man. Batfleck. Batfleck. Dude, Batfleck is coming back. What? No. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is it? Well, the, no. the, the Zack Snyder Justice League cut next year. We've talked about this oh, on the show yeah. before. It's the thing you keep threatening <laughs> yeah. me with. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no. I'm threatening you with the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman. I forget all the things you threaten me <laughs> yeah. with. That's it, the only thing I've been threatening it's you, like you with. Like a, it's like your it's little... It's literally the only thing. It's your little bag of torturer tools that they're all called Zack Snyder's. <laughs> yeah. The Watchmen cut, the this oh, cut, yeah, the shot of something got. cut. <laughs> Aquaman standing on top of something going, oh yeah! It's just... Oh, good God. I hope that they remove that from Oh, I swear to Keep it. And replace, oh, yeah. I replace all of his dialogue with it. Sure. Every time Jason McGowan talks, it's just, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh and yeah. And then Pitbull has to make the score for them. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> completely out of nowhere. Completely out of nowhere. Just some random Pitbull song that's just Just him jumping out of an airplane and then Pitbull starts. <laughs> like, whatever I play. All right. I know where this movie's going. All right. Yeah, there's uh, about to be a music video in Florida. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, no. So so yeah, Batfleck is coming back for that. There are rumors that uh, they might do... Oh, so, so in the last few minutes here. Oh, mercy. For all those Jared Leto Joker fans. Oh, God, no. There might be hope yet. So Why do you do this to me? Hang Why? on, hang on. This, this is fresh off the... Whatever you want to call it. Fresh off the press. <laughs> yes, fresh off the press. They're going to shoot Jared Leto I, I on really live call TV. It, I wouldn't really call this press. I would call it more like a coat hanger. Or something. Okay, right, all right. <laughs> Printing press, you idiots. I know, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, since fans were able to make it so that HBO Max, uh, or Warner Brothers, actually... Uh, caved and then gave Snyder his uh, chance to release his cut of Justice League. Now, David Ayer, 
the Baker of Suicide Squad, not yeah. the J- James Gunn remake that they're ha- that's happening in a few years. Is that a remake? Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the 2016 Suicide Squad. Oh yeah. Jared Leto Joker, baby. Jared Leto Joker. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he's right. been he's been putting out some feelers and hope I'm guessing he's really hoping that fans are going to rally up and and have HBO Max uh give him his chance to to show his cut of the movie cuz that was so wildly different apparently. Uh-huh. Yeah, that means, and what that means is, because according to him and to Jared Leto, there's like a whole hour's worth of Jared Leto scenes that were cut. Yes. So, let so, me get this straight. So that means if he does get his cut, go to change.org <laughs> if you want to see this. The exactly the one thing they did right. <laughs> the, one the one decision. They kept the katana. They kept the belly dancer girl. And this is katana. And it's not mentioned. I love that scene. No, no, no. I'm sorry. This is katana. Her soul traps to... No, no her, her sword, sword traps to souls of her enemies. That's it. That's the whole Everybody else got a goddamn music video in a folder. What is this? Thank you. That's great. Thank you, dude from um, Altered Carbon. Yeah. What have I seen him in before that? Who's uh, Robocop? Robo- oh no! Yeah, Is that the guy from Robocop. Yeah, the remake. Oh no! Yeah, it's Joel Kinnaman. No, huh? no. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know all these things. Yeah. I can say the remake. Oh, so did I. It made me so angry. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, for all of you fans of the Jared Leto Joker, go out there and uh, voice your opinion. We might be able to get some more Jared Leto Joker footage. Yeah. Then you should. I, okay, I had so many things I was wanting to say there, but I'm resisting with all my might. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we could tell our audience to go and slam their head into a wall. I don't no, think that's no, okay. no, that's not that's not that's nice. not okay. That's not okay. I wouldn't say that. You're lovely people. I'm sure. Yeah. You're, I'm sorry. You like the so, Jared Leto. So girl. yeah. So mm. for all the fans of Jared Leto, all oh. five of us, we gotta we gotta rally behind them. Okay. So for all of you out there who don't like Jared Leto, you know, normal people, let's remember Fight Club. <laughs> Edward Norton oh, yeah. beating him to a pulp. <laughs> it's on true. YouTube. You can put that stuff on loop. That's true. That's Just true. make your day. I love the blonde hair. That is that He's the blonde hair. And you, so, you, can, so you know awful. what? Make it even better. Put on 30 Seconds to Mars in the background. And just, yeah. You can just listen to 30 Seconds to Mars. While I wrap my hands around just, your neck. Just hit me punched <laughs> in the face. Make your day, folks. Come on. Yeah. So something for everybody. <laughs> yeah. We are inclusive here. <laughs> but he was in Requiem for a Dream. We were recommending that movie. We were. Yeah. Guess what happens to it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why do you think I like it? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all five of us have to rally behind uh, David Ayer. Change.org. <laughs> David Ayer. Said. <laughs> David Ayer. Yes, because yeah, David Ayer is such a pinnacle and beacon of the modern world. Well, he gave us training day. He's also given us plenty of other things we didn't ask for afterwards. <laughs> like suicide. Like suicide. <laughs> God, that movie's awful. This is Slipknot. Yeah. He, he can climb things. He can climb things. <laughs> 20 seconds later, poof. <laughs> so obvious. Oh, God. You can almost hear the executives. It's kind of like, all right, this movie's going to be ultra metal. I read the DC Guide to Hero Villains. I have an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh, you see now why I enjoy talking about this? It's an endless source of entertainment. <laughs> there is nothing funnier than Angry Richard, apparently. There is. And that's why every time you bring this yeah, up... Yeah, it's too, it's too good. It's too good not to do it. Oh, the aggravation. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, fresh off the coat hanger. Yeah, fresh off the coat hanger. <laughs> In a very... Uh, oh no, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> there are things you can use a coat hanger for. So... Oh god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. We're ending this. Uh, it's over. The thing, great movie. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, highly, highly recommend. It's uh, the job. It's the pinnacle of success. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch it. It's yeah. It actually didn't succeed, but it's, it's it yeah. should. It, ex- it succeeded afterwards. It's yeah. a cult hit now. Yeah, this has been this has been the tangent aside trilogy. Man. This yeah, is this nuts. Is, Kurt Russell we're just this. brings it out of us. Yeah, we're like. We, we really just, I think, look at these movies and go, they're great. We don't need to say anything more, do we? Yeah, we they're we fantastic. God. Uh, right. They're a vehicle for us to tangent. Yeah, but I think that's almost the show at this point, so <laughs> at who cares? This point, that's, that's just what we do now. I don't care. All right, so where can they reach us? <laughs> oh, you can listen to us on wherever you find good podcasts. We are on... Um, uh, iTunes, Spotify, iTunes, Spotify Stitcher, Stitcher, and YouTube, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, YouTube. YouTube yeah. uh, if you like what you hear, you want to give us some comments, some requests to stop tangenting. You know, yeah, you can either reach us on our Facebook page, or site on screen, or on, um, or you can email us at uh, siteonscreen at gmail.com. Exactly, all in one word. Uh, spread the word. Yep. If you if you enjoy what you're uh, what you're listening to, if you uh, want to support the show, and you want to support the show in some other way, we are on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash site on screen. But yeah, spreading the word. Most spreading the word thing. most important. We're Hasht- we're doing this out of a passion, really. Yeah, completely. So, we're not doing this for the money. Hashtag yeah. tangent aside. Hashtag tangent aside. Yeah, let's start that trend. <laughs> yeah, let's see where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> so what to do when a conversation has been completely derailed? Yes. <laughs> So thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, it is a pleasure. Yeah, and we'll hope to see you again next time. Yep, (laughs) toodaloo. Jared Leno. Jesus. (laughs)